So today is the third day of our retreat together, gathering together to practice Dhamma online and on site here at the monastery. So we gather together, we practice to train the mind. We see that being born as humans, something that's very difficult, most difficult to get. And the wise have compared this difficulty of being born as a human with a very interesting simile that's worth considering. Before I ordained, when I listened to this simile, as a layperson, I was very impressed by it. We can imagine that there's a turtle, a blind turtle in the great vast ocean. And there's winds blowing from the north, from the south, from the east and west. And there's one small circle of bamboo floating in that great ocean. And that bamboo circle is being blown about by the four winds. And the turtle is blind as well. And once every hundred years, that turtle surfaces. So you can think the opportunity for that turtle to poke its head through the bamboo ring is that difficult or easy. And we see that as something difficult. But we see that many humans have been born in the present day. But this is this is what we call having people, but not yet having humans. But still having this human body, it's a very good wealth, very good fortune, something that can bring us great value and quality. <clears throat> but to be born in the heart as a human, that's another thing entirely. There was one occasion when Venerable Ajahn Chah was teaching at Wat Nong it was the 25-year anniversary of Wat Nong Papong. And the faithful lady came to undertake the precepts at the monastery. And Venerable Ajahn Chah taught, well, in this past uh, 15 or 25 years like this, have any of you decided to undertake the five precepts for your entire life? And people looked around, their gaze uh, glancing back and forth, looking at well, who would who would dare to to say that they have, or any of their friends, any of their family. And looking around, there was no one who said they would undertake the five precepts for their entire lives. See that this is something difficult. This is for people that had the faith to go to a monastery and to listen to Dhamma for 15, 20, 25 years. So this is speaking about being born as a human in the heart. And it is possible to be born as a human in the heart and mind. So if it's something that you've been able to do, you should be very proud of that. Because we see that having been born like this, we have darkness and brightness. But now in our lives, we have a mind that's bright and radiant, a mind that has faith, belief, and inspiration in the fully self-awakened Buddha. In the Buddha, we all believe in, have faith in, that the Buddha is the pure one, 
the one who was able to awaken and know the truth for himself with great limitless loving kindness and compassion, who built his spiritual virtues for a very long time, which is not easy to do in order to become a fully self-awakened one. So we have faith like this, we have respect. And if the faith isn't yet deep, then we go to the monastery just on the holidays, like the beginning and ending of the range retreat, the Katina ceremony, and so on. And we have the faith to help the Buddhist religion <coughs> to build the buildings of Buddhism, like ordination halls, meditation halls, monastic dwellings, purchasing land, offering the four requisites according to our strength and energy. When we do this, then our mind feels joyful, we feel fullness and brightness. This is the cultivation of parami, spiritual virtue. And that which is important is this waking up early to give alms in the morning, to come meditate and listen to Dhamma at the monastery. This is the inner wealth that we give rise to, something that's hard to find. It's hard to find in our life. And if we have faith in our whole family, like a husband and wife that both have faith, or the children and parents as well have faith, this is something that's not easy to find at all. And if a pair or group like that, they don't miss out on the chance to do merit, but instead help each other out, support each other in the doing of goodness. And that's very excellent. And then to cultivate the mind, to train in bhavana and meditation is even more difficult. In terms of generosity, a lot of people practice that. In terms of virtue, then at least some days, many people undertake precepts. This practice of bhavana, of meditation, of improving the mind, lifting up the mind, it's something that's rare. This cultivation of mindfulness, cultivation of samadhi. And sometimes we feel weary of this controlling the mind. We can compare it to a monkey. If we try to set that monkey on focusing on just one object, the monkey won't stay with it. It'll just want to play and jump around and run from here to there. <coughs> and so we teach the mind the five meditation objects, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. Naka, danta, loma, tacho, kisa. And we repeat that back and forth, back and forth. And we see that these five objects, five body parts, they're something unattractive and unclean. So we review them back and forth. Hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. Skin, nails, teeth, hair of the body, hair of the head. We go back and forth like that. And if our mind still isn't peaceful, then we chant again. We can chant in Pali the 32 parts of the body. It's something that we've all heard before, these 32 parts. So we chant that, and then we go back to the five parts, 
hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, reviewing it backwards and forwards, back in, backwards and forwards. And still, if the mind isn't peaceful, then the mind starts to feel weary, feel like bored with the meditation object. Then we go to another meditation object, the 32 parts again. And we review the 32 parts in forwards in reverse order until we feel tired. Once we feel tired, then we review the five parts, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, backwards and forwards again. <clears throat> and then we can stick with just one object at that point, like bones, bones, or hair, hair, atikang, atikang, kesa, kesa. And now it's like that little monkey is tired and wants to stop and stay in one place. So initially we let that monkey go, running after all 32 parts back and forth. It's just like a monkey jumping between 32 trees, jumping from one tree to another. But eventually when that monkey gets tired, then it stays in just one tree. The mind is the same way. We train it just like this. In the beginning, the mind's not peaceful. So we have patient endurance, we have effort, we persevere. If the mind's not peaceful, then we, and the mind feels weary, then we have patient endurance first, practice to see the drawbacks of a mind that's agitated and chaotic. We see the value of a mind that's peaceful. Because a peaceful mind that's collected in samadhi can give rise to wisdom to see the Dhamma. It's like we do work, we don't get a lot of money straight away, but we do it a lot, we don't get bored of it, we don't get weary. We're able to continue and make uh, more wealth. The wise have compared this to a well. We keep digging in the ground to meet with the water. <clears throat> and in that ground, there's water for sure. So if we keep digging, we will meet with that water, whether it's 100 meters deep or 300 meters deep. There is water there, so don't give up. Don't be weary of it. Don't be bored of it. Don't just throw your breath away on the way but have effort, have effort to realize the end of stress and suffering. Because the end of suffering is realized through effort. This is something you can be confident in. So when you have faith like this, you see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death in samsara. You've been born in this life as a human, so this is merit already. So you, you strive to practice to see the Dhamma before your body disintegrates and passes away. However difficult your life is, you don't hurt or kill yourself, but you strive to practice. See that this life is something with value. So may you have effort to practice and train, to bring the mind to peace and collectedness, to give rise to faith, and that's bringing something that we feel is far away that we haven't yet met with to come closer and closer. 
because initially we feel that Nibbana is very far. We keep practicing wholeheartedly and it feels closer and closer. Venerable Ajahn Chah Chah taught this in a very easy to understand way. He said that at whatever time you have mindfulness, that's when you're close to the Buddha with mindfulness and wisdom. And we all want to be close to the Buddha. So in the Buddha's time, the Buddha was born in the Indian subcontinent. And if we're in Thailand and we hear that the Buddha has been born, is fully self-awakened in India, then we would feel that we have to walk there in order to pay our respects to him. And we wouldn't give up. We would strive and have the faith to keep persevering, to meet with the Buddha. So therefore we see that the Buddha is in the Dhamma. And when we, whenever we have mindfulness, we're close to the Buddha then. So therefore may you have a lot of mindfulness. For instance, recollecting the Buddha, recollecting the Dhamma, recollecting the Sangha, just like we chant every day. When we chant this, the mind can feel full and bright. We contemplate. This gives rise to fullness and happiness, these qualities of application of mind, our applied thought, sustained thought, rapture, happiness, and one-pointedness. This is peace and collectedness arising. This is something that we are able to experience. There's rapture, there's fullness. This is something that's possible to experience. Previously, we may not have known about this kind of experience. The mind just felt dry and lacking freshness. We weren't familiar with the happiness of samadhi. But then we come to do merit, we feel fullness. This is the stream of dhamma contacting the mind. The mind feels bright and full. So the dhamma is like this. So may you have a lot of mindfulness, which is a very good quality to cultivate. And sampajanya, clear awareness, to know the body, just like I explained two days ago, to contemplate the body in terms of the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. And the body is just a heap of these natural elements. So may you contemplate like this, to bring the mind to peace and stillness, to see the body is empty, the mind is empty. This is something we're capable of doing. And when the mind and body are seen as empty and the mind is still like this, then the mind is workable. We're able to have mindfulness over the mind to see arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing. <coughs> And we see that all of it is not self, all of it is anatta. We see that when the mind proliferates, then that's where the self arises right there. So whatever method we use to bring the mind to peace, this is very important. So may you have patient endurance with this to control the mind, to bring it to collectedness. This is merit. And all the types of merit we do are supportive to us. So may we try and endeavor to do them. And wherever you do merit, that merit follows you wherever you go, because that merit is in the mind. 
wherever you go, the merit and the mind goes with you. In whatever lifetime you're born into, that merit goes with you in your mind. So this is the mind having the best kind of wealth. In this practice, this cultivation of loving kindness and compassion, this is something that's truly great and excellent. These Brahma-viharas, these divine abodes that care for the mind, to bring the mind happiness and collectedness so that we can continue on meditating. <clears throat> so sometimes we get some peace in the mind, some collectedness, and we're able to contemplate and see that we suffer because of clinging. Whatever we cling to, suffering arises right there. But we're not yet able to abandon that attachment and clinging. But we know that attachment leads to suffering, that we have to abandon it. And we see that it's attachment to material form and mental phenomena, clinging to them as self. This is something the mind's been lost in for a long time, for uncountable lifetimes. But in this lifetime, we've met with the Buddha, the teachings of the Buddha. We see that the Buddha taught whatever is of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease. So when we see this, we see whatever we like, whatever we dislike. We see that humans, whether they're conscious or not, it's all just as it is. It's all just arising and ceasing according to nature. And it's only difficult because of clinging. Venerable Ajahn Chah compared it to, or made a comparison that's really worth thinking about. He compared it to someone who works hard and gathers up money, uses that money to build a house. The house is very beautiful, very stable. It's a very comfortable house. So if it's hot, there's air conditioning. If it's a cold climate, the house has a good heating system. The house is incredibly comfortable. One feels very at ease and relaxed there. The house is beautiful, safe, and strong. Then one day a person comes along and tells us, this house of yours, it's no good. You have to leave this house. And so we can think whatever that person would say, what could they say to make us leave that house? It'd be very difficult for them to convince us to leave that house because we feel that that house is very beautiful, very good. So in the same way, the mind uses this body, takes up residence in this body as its home and to convince the mind that the body is not its home it's even more difficult than the story of the house. So when Venerable Ajahn Chah made this comparison, we see that the mind is really stuck in the body, clings to it incredibly tightly. So we see that however we explain it to our minds, however, however we explain that the body is not self, it's difficult to convince the mind. If we have wisdom, then it's not difficult. But if we don't have wisdom, then we're not able to let go. 
So we need to have mindfulness to cultivate collectedness and peace to be firmly established in order to give rise to wisdom, to have wisdom to see the truth clearly, that in truth it's not self, not me or mine. And seeing this, the mind becomes joyful and fresh, rejuvenated. In the beginning, we train with mindfulness and samadhi, and it feels difficult. We have to keep fighting in the beginning with our old ways of thinking, the old busyness and distractedness of mind. Mind feels annoyed or agitated. It feels ill will, attraction, aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, and doubt. In the beginning, we think that the mind is the one who's doubting. The mind is the one that's distracted, or that has ill will, attraction, sleepiness, restlessness, and so on. But in truth, it's just clinging based on ignorance. It's like a small child that's weak and can't support themselves. All these hindrances, greed, aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, and doubt, they just are able to enter into the mind without much resistance. So we have to cultivate and build up these qualities of mindfulness and wisdom to build up this knowing in the mind, this knowing. Because the mind has been deceived for a very long time already by these hindrances, by these old habits. We see that clinging leads to suffering. No one wants suffering. And if we see just once the mind in peace and collectedness, then we can understand clearly that the mind that's peaceful is like this, then we don't doubt about it anymore. When the mind is truly peaceful, our doubts are allayed. And then we see clearly that doubt is something that covers over the mind and obstructs it. In truth, the practice is something very easy and simple. We practice generosity, practice virtue, practice mental cultivation, reciting bhutto, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, practicing bhutto, bhutto a lot. If you're thinking a lot, then do bhutto quickly. Take your meditation object as your refuge, as your place to lean on. Because the mind without a refuge, whether an adult or a child, the mind with no refuge is chaotic and agitated, filled with doubt. So we need to have our kamatana, our meditation object. The mind needs to cling to that first and hold on to it in order to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. So may you patiently endure with this. May you persevere and strive. May you keep having effort to overcome these old habits of thinking and proliferating. Because to be born as a human like this is something very difficult to come by. Even harder is to be born as a human on the level of the mind. So this is merit and past spiritual virtue that we've cultivated already. So may you have effort and persevere to abandon the old wrong views that have been stuck in the mind for a long time. Just like this house that we think is beautiful, that we use all the time, 
we, we see that it's something not worth clinging to. We have to die. So we have wisdom to contemplate the body with mindfulness and wisdom, to see the Dhamma, to see the truth. So may you all have effort. May you set your hearts on this. May you all succeed in the practice. May you grow in blessings.